Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, everybody, it's Michael. And before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that if you love today's guest, Marcy Jaru, which you're going to, then you should definitely check out the podcast that she co-hosts with a friend of the show, Betsy Sidaro, called A Funny Feeling. I'm on this week's episode. Bryce is going to be on next week's episode. And we have Marcy today, so we're having a bit of a crossover party. Uh, so definitely check it out. We're so excited to uh, be able to spend so much time chatting with these ladies. They are fucking hilarious. You are going to love Marcy. You're going to love their show. If you have not checked it out, it is right up your alley. Okay, great. On with the show. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we share amazing stories of high strangeness and personal paranormal history with amazing guests, something like that. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our trusty producer, Riley Bray. Hey, guys. Happy Sunday. Yeah. Back in the clubhouse on another sort of rainy Los Angeles day. So much for the sunshine. How was everybody's weekend? Great. Groovy. Yeah, mine was awesome. Great yeah. conversation starter. Spindrift played last <laughs> night, yes. and I uh, heard you guys tore it up. We did. Did any BCC peeps show up that you know about? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, guys, you got to get out Thanks. to the Spindrift <laughs> shows at Zebulon. Yes. Or wherever they I like play. Your, I liked your response to my text when you asked for the details. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, put... yeah I was like, it's at Zebulon with uh, Zulux and Santoros and... Here's what it's, so it's on an alien planet with two alien bounty hunters. Like, yeah, pretty much. That yep. sounds about right. I put that in the Twitter announcement because uh, I thought I was f- very funny. You are funny. Uh, I went to the uh, Long Beach Comic Expo yesterday, and I want to thank everybody who came out to pick up copies of Adventure Van, still available at your local comic book store if they never ordered them ask for them to do so um we had some bcc fans show up which was totally rad and some crazy x fans thank you so much and uh i spoke to a guy there by the name of adrian who i've met before and he's an avid listener and he had a really cool uh photograph oh really it's perfect for a podcast but uh, And a little story to go along with it. We'll obviously put the photo up there. We're going to tell that story in a moment because right. first I have to bring in our guest. And what better guest to have for a ghost story 
done. Then the co-host of a funny feeling podcast. You may remember Betsy Sodaro. This is her partner on that show. She is an actor. She's a writer. She's working currently, can I say, what show on Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah. as a writer. She's appeared in shows like Adam Ruins Everything. She's appeared in shows like Comedy Bang Bang. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Marcy Jaru. Not to be confused with Ja Rule. Ja Rule in the house. Still experiencing <laughs> a lot of heat for that fire festival. Oh, nonsense. man. Good. He seems no good to me. Yeah. <laughs> the in the Hulu one, I was like, ah, oh, he's fine. Then the Netflix one, I was like, oh, he's bad. Right, I, right. I, it's also like the, by the second time you hear that disgusting toast, you're just like, all right, I'm sick of all these douchebags. Yeah. <sighs> I yep. mean, not to get too deep, but boy, <laughs> yeah, the conference call at the end where he's like, guys, we can still come back from oh, this. I was like, you're bad. You're a bad person. <laughs> you're like not just like. Like bad, like a like evil, but you're also like bad at being a human. Like right. you're just doing this poorly. So disconnected. You mean yeah. people in the <clears throat> entertainment industry are complete narcissists? Oh boy, <laughs> it's oh, rough. Oh boy, how's uh writing going on Brooklyn Nine Nine? Oh, That's fucking awesome. It's the, been such a great experience. What a good show to come on to. Uh, and like after they got canceled and picked up by NBC, and it's been just the coolest to see like. Basically, like everyone as excited as they've ever been about this show. Right? That's yeah. awesome. So, cool. so it's sort of fun as like uh, a new writer or you know new staff writer to be like, oh, cool! Everyone already loves this thing. Yeah, so that's not. I don't think that's the typical experience for like your first writing gig. Totally. So it's that, been awesome. Based on my one writing uh, uh, experience in a writer's room, energy matters. <laughs> Positive yes. energy matters. Not that mine wasn't, but it's. It's tough because I worked on a show they've been doing for like 10 years. So, you know, some days you could come in and you're just like, oh, people are just at work today. That is a thing that I worried about it being season six that like, you know, there could be that kind of like, we've already done this before. But because there were such like a loyal fan base who had just like basically saved the show through a Twitter campaign. um, It like made it feel like really exciting to like go and try stuff like new stuff and fun i don't know it's just been great and what a good cast like no complaints yeah other than like uh, constant insecurity other <laughs> yeah. than that it's, it's been amazing <laughs> when, do you guys remember years ago when angel was canceled and like oh. people what were they what were fans sending in like pencils or underwear or something there oh. was like underwear. pencils might have been veronica mars but there was like right. there was like that was back when like it was really before the internet was really, you know, there was no Twitter yet, but people are just like mailing in all these things. I know I have listeners who are yelling at the podcast right now. Like, we didn't send in our underwear, do we send in Dude. Our, our socks? Yeah. <laughs> I love that I started a story that I didn't know how to tell. <laughs> I was really time. hoping well, that somebody... You did ask, do you guys remember? <laughs> yes. Because I, I don't. don't. Was, yeah. You're off the hook. It, yeah. I feel like it rarely happens when fans try to get something saved or course corrected it rarely, rarely occurs. So. I know. It does feel like wild. So, And it resulted with you having a job. Hey, man. I love having health insurance. So, <laughs> But let's talk about your moonlighting gig. Yeah. Uh, it's great to talk to a fellow paranormal podcaster. Oh, yeah. So A Funny Feeling is a lot like Bigfoot Collectors Club in the sense, but you guys are mostly focusing on ghosts. I mean, that's the majority of the types of stories that we've encountered so far, but we're open to it all. 
I think uh, there's an episode with Frank Garcia Hale where he talks about seeing an alien. Oh, really? What? So that's one of oh, our dude. few like alien encounters. Yeah, those are rare. Yeah. But I mean, what kind of alien did he see? Like a gray alien, like no in his way. apartment in Brooklyn. Whoa, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a really, he's got, that's a great story. Uh, I'm going to listen to that episode. His whole episode is great. Um, and then uh, another friend, Lucas Held, has like just like a wealth of knowledge of like everything, like Skinwalker and Alien. So, like, I'm interested in all of it. It just feels like a lot of people have had experiences with ghosts and shadow people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a uh, we have like a whole file of listener emails that are just ghosts and shadow people. It's just all shadow Wait, shadow you're, people. You're filing stuff, of course. Oh, <laughs> metaphorically, oh. metaphorically speaking. Oh god, I gotta up my game. <laughs> uh, you do not want to look in our inbox. It's oh, a disaster! I can't tell you how many times I've started to play a listener story and been like. This sounds so familiar because we listened to it. Yeah, we already listened to this, yeah. Yeah, I got yelled at doing that (laughs) once, reading another email that we've already done. Uh, By the way, uh, thank you for uh, that sort of reminder, Marcy, even though you didn't know you were doing it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen listening to the show, our hotline does not work. You've probably figured this out. We haven't played any. So instead, but don't stop calling. Yeah, yeah, keep calling. Just call. Now you can talk about whatever you want because we're not going to hear yeah. it anyway. Uh, so instead of calling in, we have a simple solution that we're borrowing from a Funny Feeling podcast, do it. which is just, and some of you have already started to do this, um, just make a little voice demo uh, on your memo on your f- iPhone or phone or whatever you use and just email that to Bigfoot Collectors Club at gmail.com. I just melted down. Um, <laughs> you got so drunk. I <laughs> listen. Just tell me your story. I don't want you to email it to me. I just want to know, but we are a secret. What you don't understand is I have been mainlining David Lynch and Indrid Cold for like the past 24 hours, and I am super paranoid right now that I've been um, possessed by an interdimensional entity, but we'll talk about all that later. possible. Jesus Christ. So, okay, call me, uh, leave a voicemail or message, or send it, send it, don't call, email it to us, and listen, people, keep it, I'm gonna put this back up. I, I did, like, have an... Uh, last night in my notes, I literally wrote, like, this might be my first off-the-rails episode. Cool. Because I right. was... Join the club. I've had a few. I know. I was like, this is my bright style off-the-rails off episode. I was always delusional about our hotline. Like, I felt like people would be calling in, like, I see a UFO. I'm in Laurel Canyon. Get down here quick. And then That's we'd, like, respond to it. Yeah, we'll be right there. Yeah. We just got why your... Do, you why know. don't we just give them your phone number, Bryce? That's a good put idea. Your cell phone. Yeah. Not a bad uh, idea. Uh, also, guys, keep it short. Keep it short. Oh, keep gosh. it short. Yeah. It's got to be like eight under to ten five minutes, guys. <laughs> no, Bryce, <laughs> two to five minutes tops. Just one story per memo, please. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell five. If you can send multiple right. memos. Oh, yeah. Just keep them. Keep them. They'll tight. do that too, yeah, right? Yeah, They'll yeah. be like, and then when I was four, <laughs> you guys suck. Get it together. <laughs> now we're just, no, just yelling at our <laughs> listeners no, no, it's, because it's, we can't figure I out. Mean, we only have five of them. We need them to continue hey, to listen. It's to the not show. their fault they haven't produced a podcast yet. 
Um, or maybe they have. Um, this is our new segment called Podcast Bitch Sesh. Where we <laughs> tell you what you've done wrong. And let me tell you, it's a lot. Uh, number one, never give me negative feedback. <laughs> we'll delete you. You can just tell me what you love, and that's the only thing I'm accepting. <laughs> um, okay, before we get to your personal paranormal history, I do want to share this uh, email uh, that I got from Adrian, who I saw at the Long Beach Comic Con yesterday. So here it is. Uh, so he says, Mike, nice chatting with you again. Um, here's the photo that I showed you, and I'm going to show this to you all in a moment. And again, this will be on our Instagram. Um, he said, so this apartment is of a friend uh, who is involved in a very successful paranormal investigation group in San Diego. And his day job um, he works for the coroner as a forensics expert. Oh. Nice. So this guy is Ooh. like burning the, the candle at both ends. He is like, <laughs> I'm looking at dead bodies and then I'm talking to the souls <laughs> right. at night. Um, long st- So Adrian writes, long story short, he broke up with the group and he spoke to me about his friend who emailed him the said picture and wanted him to do an investigation. Um. He oh this is a this is a uh, a friend of the guy the apartment is a friend of a guy who's involved with the group okay so his friend tells the paranormal former porn, uh, paranormal investigator just hang with me his wife and child were upstairs when their motion sensor the motion sensor on his camera went off and he received a notification on his phone so they had a little security camera downstairs in the apartment. Um, but instead of uh, but instead of checking on it, he ignored it because moments before that, their dog had run down stairs. So he figured it was just the dog. So um, he figured wrong. He decided uh, he would. He took a moment, and then he was like, well, "I'll check it out," and looked on the phone and found this photo. I hope that's a painting. <laughs> this oh my is, God. Let me see. Pass it around. Are is you that kidding a me? woman in heels? There is a ghostly, it looks to be a woman standing at oh, in his man. living room downstairs, and there is a do- the dog is staring at the figure. <gasps> oh my so God. In the email, Adrian says that he freaked out thinking that there was an intruder in the house, ran oh downstairs God. with a baseball bat. And nobody was there, and the front door was locked and deadbolted. He was like, I was ready to beat Can I this woman what to I'm death. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to beat her to goddamn death. <laughs> Should I describe what I'm seeing? So there's, yeah. it looks like this lady in a white dress, but you, you can't see her legs. Yeah, it, her legs fade out. Oh, yeah. weird, because I thought I saw heels. Well, <laughs> Maybe it's just like a girl thing. I think there's shoes <laughs> at the bottom, but like her legs They're, are kind of yeah. transparent. Weird. It is one of the most convincing. If the story's true, and I, I have no reason to disbelieve oh. this wow. guy. Um, that is one of the most compelling this is uh, ghost photos I've ever yeah. seen. And look at the dog is just staring just directly staring at, at it. it. Yeah, the dog has a pert little tail. Also, look at all these like figurines and it's stuff. It's a scary apartment. They got some like <laughs> some homilies in there. I mean, he works for the coroner. And coroner no, it's, this coroner. is the friend this, of the coroner. But this person has like a lot it's of. Not just me. Um, <laughs> they have some artwork that is sort of like questionable well not questionable but it it does seem to be like these are like some sort of like native mm. statue oh. sort of thing she's she's I, got that uh, are you racially profiling the artwork? <laughs> no i just mean that like it's like some sort segment. of artwork that's like what what is this sort of it's got she's, kind of like a see. ritual she's got that looking. ghostbusters oh. g- goes her hair yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah 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 
Looks like, like Indiana Jones might have been through yeah, there. Yeah, like it seems like maybe they mm. might. Oh, yeah, there's a, a few, looks like Buddhas and some statues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of how to say like spiritual oh. art or something mm. like that. Is but... it at all possible that we can get the video clip of this? Uh, just this one Adrian, if you're grab? listening and you can get the video clip, I think that just snaps photos. I don't think it's a video. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, if there is a video, we would like to see it. Uh, yes. Adrian says, crazy story and even crazy pick. We aren't sure if it's a dress or a hospital gown, but more importantly, what is up with that foot? Because there only seems to be one in yeah, the photo. I can relate. Crazy. That is <laughs> spooky. That's true. Hey, congratulations, by the way, Bryce. Oh, thanks. You're finally out of your cast. Yay. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> Never been stronger. Healed. Literally. Ha. Yeah. Healed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the most boring show called The Healer? No. no. It's this guy from Australia who is like an energy healer. Mm-hmm. It's very boring, but it feels like one of the most like maybe believable kind of reality shows like that. I think right. it's a TLC show or something. Right. But it's just this guy and he goes and he heals people with like chronic illnesses. Uh, and then he has to take a nap after every healing. <laughs> <laughs> Does he perform psychic surgery? Um, no, but he can like, you know, he can tell like diagnose right. By doing these energy healings and yeah. and like over time, like do like he's done. It's like one of those things where you're like, this is bullshit, and then you watch, you're like, well, it's too boring to be bullshit. Yeah, right? It's not no, flashy. Yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah, that's but, a fascinating subject because there's a few people who have uh, had quite the reputation for doing successful, not only you know psychic operations, but just hands healing, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And you know, members of the community will line up in droves yeah. to uh, to be healed. I know a lady stuff. whose hands definitely heal. Ew. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> her name is Mother Teresa. No, I don't like it. her giving and hand she's jobs. A freak. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, if there are any healers listening, please fix my cough. It is not going away. Oh, no. oh God, I'm so sick of this. Anyway, Marcy, how did you get? Into this shit. I was born into it because really? I'm from Louisiana. Oh, and I yeah. feel like it's sort of impossible to be from that area without being, you know, surrounded by ghost stories or, you know, goths, that kind of, yeah, voodoo. bunch of goths. Um, <laughs> I, but I can remember, like, as a kid, like hearing stories about my grandfather when he was like just out of the army, and like he, they, like he and some friends, like got a witch doctor to. They were trying to like rob a grave, maybe. I don't know. Okay, but, we like, need to we need to rewind a little bit, you know, like establish I, this cast of characters, and then go from there. I, I was I was like I should call my dad and get him to remind me of the story because I can't remember it fully. But I just this is a vague recollection of like being a kid and hearing this story about my grandfather coming back from World War II uh, after being a prisoner of war and all that. Oh, like wow. you know, Purple Heart. Um, no way. Yeah, killed his captors. He's That's- a, Real badass. Wow. Um, in the Pacific or the or European? European, okay. yeah. That's incredible. Um, and so he came back and then he and some friends, I guess, had heard that there was this witch doctor in New Orleans who could like talk to spirits and like figure out where some treasure was. And they like paid this. They were like, okay, we'll go. And wow. this guy will sh- tell us where this treasure is. That's we conjure the spirit. But like, as they were doing it, like sm- like smoke or mist started coming up from the grave and it scared them so much they just ran away. Oh. But that's like a story I heard as a child, like a little kid. 
And I, I love that you're like instead of being the man in the gray flannel suit who has to go to a boring office job, your grandfather just became like Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein after the war. I <laughs> like, mean, like both of my grandfathers are were so interesting, like that. I won't even start talking about them because they tr- they trump everything I got. Yeah, that's um, wild. Very, but and yeah. So on my dad's side of the family, I heard stories like that. And then on my mom's side of the, my mom has like such a deep, like psych. I don't know how to describe other than like she, I she was born with under the veil. You've heard that. Mm -hmm. It's when babies are born with um, the embryo, the embryo, the sac, whatever, over their face. Oh. I don't think I've ever heard of this. So it's a real thing where like they're born and they have part of the placenta is covering their face. And usually it's like their eyes or whatever. And they have to be removed or they die because it can like choke them. So my mom was born with this, you know, the, the placenta sac over her face still. So she was always told that she was born under the veil. And not until like I started getting into podcasting did I say like, well, that's a real thing. Like that's so that that that's a sign that they the baby might have a gift. Yes, yes. And so hers, I like it's one of those things where it's she doesn't lean into it too much, but she throughout my lifetime has told me has told us about like she would have a dream about someone like like I remember one as a cousin of hers who was like just in a field in the back of a truck and like this big wheat field. And she's like, and he was so young and so beautiful. And he just said, bye, Teet. That was her nickname was Teet. And he says, bye. And then like, and then the, in the morning, getting a phone call that he had died. Wow. Dude, this wow. is like the second or third episode in a row we've had these stories come up. Yeah, it's of the wild. Go, the, of dreaming of the like younger version of the beautiful person. And then they- yeah, saying goodbye. Wow. And she's had more than like, in fact, I interviewed her on one of our episodes of A Funny Feeling. Um, Your mom. Yeah. And she, it's such a good episode because uh, she just goes through like seeing angels. and she, But she's definitely like, I've gotten a phone call from her like when I lived in New York. She would call me early in the morning and she's like, what happened last night? And I was like, a man followed me home. Like she knew it. Mm. She's like, I shot up in the middle of the night and I knew something was wrong with you. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and crazy. you did not inherit any of these powers? No, I didn't say that. Uh. <laughs> I, I have never had those sort of dreams like that, like of someone saying goodbye necessarily. But I, I just a few weeks ago, we uh, hired, we got uh, a new writing team at work and I didn't know about it. None of us knew that we were, we thought maybe we weren't sure, like, blah, 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 budget, blah, blah, blah. Um, But we didn't know. So, like, none of us knew. And the Thursday night before they came on Monday, I had a dream that someone, a friend of mine was like, oh, you got two new writers. And I was like, no, we didn't. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their names are Ann and Bo. And I was like, "Mm, no. And then, like, a big earthquake hit and no one else felt it but me. Fast forward to Monday. Um, I'm I, I'm worried about the earthquake part. <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> okay, that's cool that you have some new writing partners. Oh, the earthquake? Oh, wait, wait, hey, we oh, can't shit. stop them. Okay, okay. All, all you right. can do is anchor your shit to the wall, and <laughs> get some water, <laughs> put some shoes in your trunk in case you're caught in a parking garage. No, I've okay, got go my shit bags, um, yeah. And then on Monday, the two new guys, they're, they're not named Ann and Bo. They were named <sighs> Van and Evan. 
<laughs> Pretty close. Close, close enough. Close. Yeah. yeah. I give you a hit for that. Uh, but I was like, I just dreamed about you guys. And no one thought it was that impressive, but I was like, you guys. Yeah, I feel like talking to a room full of comedy writers about the paranormal is maybe no. not like your, no. <laughs> your best audience. Of... Very cynical yeah, people. Very, very skeptical. <laughs> not trying to believe the lady with the crystals I see. Yeah, you need to go talk to the cast. They will buy everything that you sell. Them. Absolutely. So like little things like that. But I also like, you know, you've heard it a million times. I'm an empath. Living in New York was a nightmare for me. Really? Because you're around people all the time. Yeah. And like if you don't know how to handle that stuff, and I didn't, then it just feels like over, you're overwhelmed and like having like mood swings and like I would almost feel like I was going to pass out. All yeah, the I was going to ask, how does that manifest? Like, how and then how do you pull yourself? How did you eventually pull yourself out of that? I like, can, re- you can describe it. Remember, like being on the subway, and I would always call them swooning spells, where I got so you like you are from the south. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my oh, damn. ma, <laughs> oh, swooning Lord spell. Of my. Hey, lady, what's wrong with you, daddy? Get daddy. Um, but yeah, I would have like. I I would feel like I was going to throw up or pass out and like that, like I'm about to pass out feeling. And like, I even got like medical tests and blood work done and there was nothing wrong. I was like, I don't know what's happening to me, but it would happen occasionally. And then like, I think Betsy talked about it too, like panic attacks and stuff like that. Mm. And it wasn't until I started seeing, like, I would start to dabble, like, I'll see a psychic. And then every psychic I've ever seen has been like, do you know you're an empath? And I was like, the first time, though, I didn't. I was just, but it was like a huge revelation that sometimes when I feel a feeling that I don't understand, it's not me. Right. Like, it's not my feeling. Got Mm. it. But it can hit me like a wall where I'm like, what? And like, it's very confusing. And I like, I remember like I had a boss who like, we sat like in communal seating. So like we were next to each other and he would like just, I would sit next to him and I would just look and be like, Jeff, you have to chill out. Cause like my (laughs) chest would start hurting. (laughs) And I was like, you need to take a walk, dude. Cause like, you're like, you're making me physically feel bad. Whoa. So what do you do to turn that off or mi- redirect that? Well, I think part of what is... Like, I don't want to say siphon because that makes you sound yeah. like a vampire, but... Well, yeah, because I don't want it. It's yeah. just like being like a sponge of it, though. Right. Uh, One is recognizing when it's not yours. Like, this is not me. So that kind of helps because you're like, well, okay, I feel it, but that's not mine. So you can sort of like turn it turn it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, psychics will tell you, take some salt water baths and, uh, <laughs> uh, treat yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself like that kind of stuff. Like a, an Epsom salt soak though, like for an injury, it helps like they'll tell you to do that. Cause it helps like draw out the pain or the inflammation or whatever the magic of salt does. Right. But it should be doing that for you kind of on a spiritual energetic level. I know this sounds Love crazy. No, no, I'm not. No, you're not. Right. Um, yeah, you're <laughs> But that kind of stuff. We're going to draw you a bath right now. Oh, God. <laughs> that, wait, sorry, wait, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I am <laughs> off the hook for my hands No, 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 no. Three beautiful men oh, just that... bathing me in the tub. <laughs> well, now, now I feel discriminated against. You want I said too, three Michael? beautiful men. <laughs> yeah, but you got mad at me and not him. Yeah, <laughs> you're creepy. <laughs> oh, I'm just enough. trying to heal. Yeah. <laughs> He's just trying to bathe me. That's all. Because um... Bryce is the hot one. I get it. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, and also, uh, like, I'm a huge uh, advocate of. Uh, I just said that I got back from therapy, and I'm on antidepressants, which really Yay. help that shit too. Really? Yeah, that makes sense. I like, guess. if you're like being like, I'm so susceptible to mood swings. Like, maybe balance your shit out. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ain't no shame in that stuff. It's just an organ, your brain. Totally. It's just. It's funny because I feel like everybody. I mean, you know, and I'm not, uh, this is, I don't think this is like a skeptical thing to say, but I feel like it makes sense because everybody, I think, could learn from that in terms of like, this is their shit, not my shit. Yeah. Like a lot of people I think are more affected by other people's actions and moods than, yeah. than you know, we give credit for. I you can't, can't <clears throat> imagine being, like you're married, right? I am. Like that must, like that literally being that close to someone so often and like, I can't, I really, like, I talk about it in therapy. I can't imagine having, like, that much of another person's yeah. mood around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like... Uh... Well, she stopped talking to him about two months ago after <laughs> he spent all his time doing this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, she's not as much of a fan as I am about this stuff. Um, no, we're pretty reclusive, too, though. And it, it, I feel like this may sound, like, kind of lame or whatever, but it's like... When we withdraw into our, it's it's kind of like having a, a, another half of you. So it's like you don't feel like you're like, you know, combining two energies. We we kind of like operate as. But yes, I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, that's I, why I you got to find someone you're well. chill with. Like yes. you yeah. guys seem very chill. Yeah, we're together, on the same from level. The yeah, yeah, we 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 match each other very nicely. I think so. Great. Great. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, <laughs> so, must, be nice. must be nice. Have fun in your loneliness. A lot of niceness there. Taking your lonely bath. My bath alone <laughs> with my cat watching me who attacks me constantly. Um, oh, man. So, yeah, but it is hard to figure out that stuff of like, how do I manage this feeling and like, how do I like not let it overwhelm me? Yeah. I think mean, that's really hard for a lot of people just in their 20s it's... and teenage 20s, all that. Like, there's like, it's hard to yeah. figure that out. Oh, I'm 40 and it's yeah, it's, still it stays hard. Tough. Like, yeah. you know, I had to, I had to like remind myself, you know, we just wrapped Crazy X Woo-hoo. like a week ago. And I, I sent, you know, the text or the cast and we're all on a group, group, uh, text thread. And I had been like, hey, Everyone just, I kind of sent out a group text being like, hey, if you feel yourself finding irritable or a little like grumpy this week or sad and you don't understand why or a little angry, it's because we just say goodbye to this thing and it's like ending a relationship yeah. that you have no control over. And I've been through it a couple times now with a couple different long-term jobs. And sure enough, like this weekend, I just got in the dumps, you know? Oh. And I was like... I had to remind myself, like, you sit, you know, I had to say goodbye to something that was, like, really important to yeah. me. And um, it just sucks as an actor, too, especially when those jobs end. It's, like, sad and also a little bit stressful because you're like, what's next? The next you job, know? yeah. But it's funny because those little underlying things, if we're not aware of them, really can. I yeah. mean, now that we're just talking straight up mental health, but, like, can can just be a landmine, you know, for a week or months or, you know, a year. And then suddenly yeah. they go off and you're like, why am I upset about – why am I upset? And you're like, oh, because that thing that you didn't really take the time to acknowledge or make sure you recognize that this <laughs> yeah. stuff can happen. It's tough, you know? It's leaving know. camp on a big scale. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> it is. that, And I would always get so depressed after, like – 
theater camp I did when oh, I had God. to go home. I was like, oh, it's my friends. What about those experiences when you just do like one show, like a pilot or something, and then and then like somebody, be, we're like a family now, you guys. And we're like, I'll never speak to you again. <laughs> Nothing worse than like doing just like a day on a show and someone else who's like, like, can I get your number? I'm like, no, no, uh, no. I don't want you to have my number. I don't have time for that. That's me. I get, well, I mean, but some people, I guess it's fine. But like, I'm just like, I barely see my actual friend. Right. And I'm trying to pick up new ones right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, but this is why I think like people on shows like The Bachelor, like they do fall in love, even though it's like three weeks I, because they I think are fully in that camp mentality. No, that is because they have their phones taken away from them yeah. by production and they have nothing else to do. But fall in love. There's yeah. no TV. There's no phones. They don't have work. They're but that like, was I what guess the- I'll fall in love. But in the 90s, that's what theater camp was. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have TV. Oh, we just, just... little dorks fingering each other. <laughs> <laughs> what a dream. Oh, man. The old what? days. Oh. Um. All those love letters I wrote to Wichita. Uh, just the state, not even a person. <laughs> yeah, just the town. Um, Dear Wichita. Yeah, but I think even just to bring it back to the, like being sensitive and all that stuff, like I think that sort of opens you up to this other world of like, what else is there? Most definitely. Like being like, I have these feelings, it must mean something. Like, what is it? What is it out there? Yeah. Um, and have you ever had experienced something that you felt was... Like, this is very paranormal. Like, yeah. this is, this yeah. goes in I mean, the it's, books. it started, so, like, when I was leaving New York, like, I went to a psychic who was like, you're an empath, and blah, 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 blah. And I left New York really suddenly, like, truly on, like, a two-week notice of being, like, um, I'm, I'm getting out of here. Like, bought a one-way ticket just on a whim, and it was like, bye-bye. Um, to come to LA, but like before that, I was like, was like, you're gonna leave in like six weeks, and she was right, but I didn't know, and uh, and I didn't choose it either because my mom is the one who bought me the one way flight because mm. she's like, you seem sad, and I think mm. this would help, and like crazy enough, it did. It was like really like truly like a a whirlwind of me moving to LA after how many years in New York? Like seven. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. that's a that's a lot. That's a but lot like time. like work had dried up, and like I needed to move, and I was just like in a really stressful. I was like, I don't know what to do. And then she called me back like 20 minutes later and was like, I booked you a one-way flight. You'll figure it out. That's awesome. Uh, That's a cool mom. She's a cool mom. She's She's a cool mom. P.S. I'm psychic. Well, she is a psychic. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then like getting out here and like being so overwhelmed by the energy of Los Angeles, like all of a sudden shit started happening to me and Mm -hmm. like, like, or not to me, but like. Like uh, I was like working as a, working as a PA, uh, and we were filming in like an abandoned hospital, and like my job, like I was the, per- <laughs> I was the perfect per- situation for <laughs> was, uh, empath. Uh, I was like, uh, my job was I worked for the one of the producers, and I was supposed to like set up a place for her to like be near set all day. So I was like had to walk in, like I get there first when the crew was there, like setting up there's stingers and all that stuff so i'd walk into Mm-mm. in the dark Mm-mm. and i went up like i was walking through this hallway and then i went up to the second floor and as soon as i got there i like had a full-blown like panic attack and then i went ran down the stairs and i was like oh i'm fine what the fuck is up there right and then that whole day we had so many weird things happening like and we're the ones running the power so we have generators and the power is being run from outside but like we we kept like yelling over the radios for the kid upstairs. So we're like, you need to lock up the third floor. He's like, no one's up here. And we're like, we hear people walking and talking. And he's like, it's just me. 
And then like we would hear heart oh. monitors. Uh-uh. But like there had just no. never there was no not even electricity there. No, 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 no. Um <laughs> and like so that was like the beginning of it. And then I lived in an apartment where my roommate... I'm pulling out my phone and getting on Instagram. I can't handle He's it. He's mad enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, I was like, he's tindering. <laughs> um I'm just swiping, tell your story. I can't deal with it. <laughs> right, 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 it's too right. Scary. Someone. Um and then, like, so my roommate, I lived in a two-bedroom apartment, but my roommate, uh, she had a fiancé in San Francisco, so she never was with me until she had an audition. She would fly in for the day for auditions. Uh, so I lived there alone, and one weird thing that I didn't even realize was happening until later, like, I I was new to L.A., and, like, every morning I'd wake up and all of our cabinets were open, you're like, be this like, must be an LA thing. I thought it was like I was like, we must be having little earthquakes or something. I was like, I don't know, that's crazy. Oh, thing. you know about uh, cupboard earthquakes? Yeah. It's just when they yeah, it just rattles just enough to open your uh, cupboard doors. And it was really weird because the the cabinets all had those little like rolly pin locks. You know, the kind that you push to close, yeah, like those yeah. old like nineteen sixty whatever cabinets. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had those like pins to like close them yeah what am i trying to say we know what you're yeah. saying yeah um and so like i would really like be like i'm gonna close these so sh- i'm really closing I'm this fucking cabinet <laughs> closing this time and ain't nobody opening up these fucking cabinets because this is my house yeah, like, while a cartoon character like <laughs> hammering them two by fours into it booby traps all yeah. around it um and so i i remember so that was the beginning and i go up to uh i Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Oh, I just heard good. a little feedback. A little buzz. A little buzz. No, no. Um, um, so I, a friend of mine is getting married. Uh, and I remember being like the beginning of October. And I went up to Portland or not even Portland. It was like somewhere in the woods in Oregon. And I, I only say this to set it up that like I had just been at like a wedding with a bunch of friends from New York. And we were like staying in cabins and like. They were like, we were staying up all night. People were like fucking with each other, like knocking on each other's door, like just being like a fun time. And then I get back and the first night in my apartment alone, I, I'm asleep and I wake up the way you wake up to a radio, you know, that slow kind of wake up where you, Mm -hmm. you wake up to sound happening. I hear a man speaking in Spanish at the foot of my bed. Oh boy. But it's a slow wake up where I'm just slowly coming into consciousness of like someone's and I don't know Spanish. I like un, I could like recognize it. I like know a little French and a little Italian. But like I was like, oh, someone's speaking in Spanish. I could just I just knew it. Uh, and I can't make out what they're saying because I don't know Spanish. And I'm slowly waking up. But in my brain, in that half asleep state, I think, oh, this is one of my friends. I think like I, I'm like, oh, I'm in. Like processing, I'm like, oh, it's someone's come to our cabin, mm-hmm. but I'm home now. And so I just sort of say, Shrup. I'm trying to say shut up, <laughs> but I have, I'm paralyzed with sleep. So it comes out, Shrup. and I remember in that moment, I start giggling because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm paralyzed with sleep. And I'm like kind of giggling to myself at how it sounded. And like, then all of a sudden, just this immense pressure on me. Like, I, I just describe it as, like, you know those Gravitron machines yeah. at the fair of, like, being pressed against the wall? That pushing me into my bed and then me putting my face into the pillow and thinking, fuck, something is in my room right now. Like, just, like, all of a sudden being fully awake and being, like, something is in here. And, like, and 
And I sit up in bed and I just scream, hey, like as loud. Because I, I, I had that thought like fight or flight. And I was like, well, go, go for it. So I scream, hey, really loud. And then it was just like an atmospheric shift in the room. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what was that? And I jump up and turn on all the lights and like get up and like immediately call my mom. It's like and five, five. There's o'clock. just a sombrero sitting <laughs> on the floor. Um, so I call my mom and she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, nothing. Because it's like 7 a.m. in Louisiana. And I was like, and I tell her the story, and she's like, you need holy water, you need this. Like she's like, call a priest, yeah. and and at that moment it starts like pouring down rain, which is just a little unusual because it doesn't often rain in L.A. And that was like the beginning of our drought, uh, and I hadn't heard it rain. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. Well, I don't know what it was, so I was like, okay, I gotta go to work. Um, and I was like, I chalked it up to maybe being like, maybe I just felt that pressure because of atmosphere. Yeah, pressure. It started raining. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I go, I like go to work that day, uh, and come home, and that night I just kind of like, <laughs> I said out loud before I went to bed, "You better not wake me up tonight, motherfucker." <laughs> yeah, right. And closing all my <laughs> windows up, and 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 I and then I remember specifically like I had my iPhone, the old one, the one with the curved thick back. Oh yeah, uh, big thick. <laughs> And I I remember it like being at like specifically being at like 35%. I set my alarm, I plug it in, it's charging as I go to bed. And then I wake up in the morning and there's light coming in my room. And I was like, oh shit, did I oversleep? And I look at my phone, my phone is still plugged in but turned off. And I was like, that's really weird. And so I turn it back on, you know, the old two finger push. And it was fully charged. And I was like, that is so weird. And I was like, this motherfucker. Because <laughs> it's our iPhones don't do that. They don't just shut down. It, they reboot sometimes, but they come back up. He turned my phone off. And I was like, I'm not talking to him anymore. I was just like immediately so mad. And I just like shut it down. I was like, fuck this dude. No, I'm this not. This a dick. Yeah. And then I truly like never acknowledged him again until like I had a friend visit like six months later. And just as I was going to bed, like my friend was like staying in the living room. And um, as I was going to sleep, I like felt the presence. I like knew it was at the foot of my bed again. But I just kind of was like, eh, he's here, whatever. And then my friend on his last night was, he was like, hey, uh, something really weird happened a few nights ago. Oh, I love the like, <laughs> thought about it for two days. Yeah. And now I'm finally I wasn't, brave enough to talk yeah, about this. It's because I wasn't there and he like was going into my room to go into my bathroom and he walked in my room and he thought someone was in there. He's like, Some, he's like I think someone was in your room, but I didn't say anything because I was like a little stoned. So maybe I was just like being paranoid. I was like, no, no, no. It's the ghost. He's back. so i think that's is that all that happened to me there but okay what's really cool about the story is i moved out and two of my friends live there next um nicole byer john milheiser um yeah yeah and they had experiences there because john and i lived there a little bit together um and i was like there's there's a ghost in here and he's like no no but when nicole was there she saw like a man with his arms crossed, like she said, it was a white man in the living room, like standing by my lamp with his arms crossed. And she just went, no, 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 no. And walked away. (laughs) And one night she and John were like up laughing about how funny they are. Um, Probably. (laughs) And they heard (laughs) from the other room, someone go, and they were just like, oh shit. And 
What else? I I know John was like, mm, it's not haunted, but once a glass did fly <laughs> off my desk. What? Uh, and so they moved out. And I have another friend that lives there now. He currently lives there. And I was like, Danny, watch out. It's haunted. And he was like, I don't believe that. Uh, his roommate has seen a man in her room, like a shadow man in her bedroom. Um, so Danny talked to some of the neighbors there. And one neighbor used to live in that apartment like a long time ago. And he said that when he moved in, it was like disgusting. The apartment had been like maybe like a drug den or some sort. It's like blood on the walls, <laughs> yeah. dead bodies. It was, but there was like in the smaller bedroom, there was a, a child's drawing of like a woman crying. Oh, God. Oh, that's no. nice. Yeah. So I don't like that's kind of the end of that story. Like, I don't know if. And everyone's story. Yeah. <laughs> so that place was like super it's the beginning haunted. Beginning of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what was up with that place, but it was pretty haunted. Ooh. Creepy. Thank you for all that nightmare fuel. Seriously. <laughs> so where, do, where do you? This is the child's drawing <laughs> of a woman crying. Yeah. yeah. It's really terrifying. Like yeah. saying, la, la, yeah. La, la, la. Where do you come down on all of this stuff? Like, where are you? I'm well, obviously a believer of stuff. Uh, and I also like forgot like until like later that I had like a my I had a college apartment too that was haunted where we all had a shared experience together. Um, do you let me tell it later or no? Tell him. I mean, well, um, this so would be the time that it was in college and like I I know I was like sort of into ghosts but not as much as I am now. <laughs> Ed matured, <laughs> uh, but we had like a two story house. Uh, it was like this old house in downtown Hammond, Louisiana. Um, like, like truly, like maybe a hundred year old house, like one of the first houses in that area, and it, it's you could tell at one point it had been a duplex, um, but it had been converted back into a single family home. Anyway, um, Abby lived downstairs on the first floor, and directly above her was my bedroom, and then uh, next to that was Jessica, and then in the front of the house by the staircase was Serena. And then the bathroom was on the other side, like across the hall from those two rooms. Um, and yeah, staircase, blah, blah, blah. Um, before I moved in, one of the girls told me that like <laughs> the girl who lived in my room, they said the cat used to wake up and she would be singing like German lullabies. But she's like, I don't know where I got this from. I'm sorry, the cat was singing? No, her name was Cat. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. I, also I was, was, I was, I was cat like, singing fucking, in German. Like, yeah, that's Sabrina. a little messed up. <laughs> Shit. Um, a little messed up. So, okay. Uh, so one night, and Cat did not know German n- nor German lullaby. I don't know if she knew German, but someone was like, "That's a German lullaby." Like you. Weird. So anyway, I move in, and I had heard like different stories. Like Serena said, she felt someone sit on her bed once and just like kind of like shh, like put their hand on her shoulder and like rock her to back to sleep or whatever. <laughs> like shh, quit breathing. Now. Quit breathing. <laughs> That's okay. And I and, <laughs> and Abby. <laughs> And Abby had told stories about seeing a woman in a blue dress in her room. But I was just like, oh, well, whatever. I don't care. I'm drinking my way through college. So one night I wake up like past two in the morning and I hear, well, it's because I hear my roommate like clomping up the stairs. She drops her keys outside of her bedroom door, which is right by my bedroom door, opens her door, slams it opens the door up again goes into the bathroom and slams it and i'm and like and she's like making just so much ruckus like such just a racket outside my room and i all i could think was oh she and her boyfriend got into a fight and 
she's home drunk. Like, this is like a... And it keeps going on. Bathroom door slamming. Keys dropping. Bedroom door slamming. Keys, like, just like on loop. You're like, for... why does she keep throwing the keys? That feels like a stretch. Yeah, I, well, I, <laughs> yeah. I honestly wasn't processing it at that. I just was like, this is very annoying. <laughs> so... It eventually stops. I fall back asleep, and then in the morning, uh, Serena's watching TV downstairs, and I'm I join her, and then Abby comes out, and we're all chatting, having our coffee, girl time, and uh, also that cat had a bunch of nasty. That house had a bunch of nasty cats in it. Actually, though, they were all un. I was gonna say uncircumcised, but what I mean. <laughs> and I know I checked, but they, and we all know uncircumcised were, men are filthy. <laughs> they were, I uh, know Italian men are great. Um, uh, they were unneutered or whatever. They yeah, were all yeah, in yeah. heat. They were just the place was disgusting. That has nothing to do with the story. I just remembered so it was just gross. a bunch of horny cats. Oh, just saying. some juicy horny cats. <laughs> oh, <It's> disgusting. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I was like, God, did you and guys gorge cat just genitalia? Like, a recipe for a haunting, <laughs> screaming in German. Backing their cat <laughs> vaginas back up at you. Um, so maybe uh, that caused all the poltergeist activity. It might have not <laughs> helped it for sure. But I was like, Did you hear Jessica come in last night? They're like, Oh my God, she made so much noise. And Abby's like, She woke me up. And Serena's like, Yeah, I heard her too. And then, not like forty five minutes later, Jessica walks in the front door. And we're like, oh, did you leave and come back? She's like, no, I stayed at Danny's last night. Oh, man. She had never been there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, God. So, and so fast forward to like a few years ago, I'm back home and hanging out. Uh, <coughs> and I had a meetup with two of my roommates. And they, we all remembered this. Like, like it right. wasn't like I just invented this. Like, I, we're all like, oh. I was like, do you guys remember the story? And they were like, yes. And then we just started talking about all the other things Oof. that happened at that house. So that's intense. That's to say that, like, I've had my own experiences and I kind of believe in all of it, I guess. Right. Great. Well, Wait. we're going to find out Great. with a little game that we like to play with our guests called Bullshit or Believe It. It's rapid fire. Okay. You get to say, believe it if you believe it and bullshit. If you don't believe it. Great. Are you ready? Believe it, 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 believe it. Oh, you know our friend Bryce. Copy all, believe it. On your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe. UFOs. Believe. Bigfoot. Believe. Angels. Believe. Gnomes. Believe. Fairies. Believe. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Bullshit. Alien Greys. Believe. Parallel universes. Believe. Shapeshifters. Believe. Mermaids. Bullshit. Heaven. Believe. Hell. Believe. Dragons. Bullshit. Yeti. Believe. Elves. Believe. I like the way you're saying believe. Believe. <laughs> ESP. Believe. Chupacabra. <laughs> believe. Demons. Believe. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe. World peace. Believe. Peace in the multiverse. Believe. Hey, not yeah. bad. How do you feel? <laughs> Better. <laughs> shapeshifters. You believe in... I think you're the first person who said shapeshifters. Oh, absolutely. Have you ever heard of the the djinn? Yeah. Oh, okay, tell us a little about the djinn. So I'm sure you guys, uh, anyone listening, probably knows about the, the djinn, the mischievous djinn that were... 
Um, basically, you could say they're like very analogous to demons mm-hmm. uh, or genies. Genies, yes, yes. It's middle. It's a like an old like Middle Eastern. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's in scripts, um, and uh, they are so. Essentially, the story of the jinn is that when God created man, he asked the jinn and the angels to bow to man. And the jinn refused because they're like, we are higher beings than them and we're not going to bow to them. So he cast them out into hell or on the underworld, I guess. Just like this is like basically the story of like yeah, Lucifer. Lucifer, Satan. Yeah. So it's very like analogous to that. Like, And so they were so they were cast to the underworld and he... Until like Jesus comes back or whatever, I've, that's actually not right. Um, and like he gave them a certain amount of time to like, if you think that humans are beneath you, you have, you have to prove it to me. And so the jinn fuck with us to prove to God that we God. are lower forms than they are, and that we are harmful to each other. That we, you know, are a chaotic creature and well, race. They're doing a great job. Meanwhile, my <laughs> fucking car won't start in the morning. And I'm trying to get to work. <laughs> well, they do things like they can, uh, they can shapeshift. They can appear as in human form. They usually come as very attractive humans. Um, they a lot of par- this is covering Jin's covering a lot of ground here. Yeah, to yeah. Make people suspicious <laughs> and paranoid. Um, yeah, and they can come to you in dreams and just do all kinds of stuff. So there's, I think that's sort of shape shifting. But I also think that, and you and I talked, Michael, uh, about it on uh, my podcast. Um, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! I'm on an episode of their show that might be out now. Not, it's a come up, do we coming? Soon, yeah, maybe? so around the time this drops, yeah, it'll be real fun. Um, that maybe like Bigfoot is like shape shifting. Uh, well, or tulpas or Bigfoot. Uh, Bryce, I'll let you handle this one, but more not so much shape shifting as much as like shifting between dimensions. Wor- yeah. Dimensions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I. Um... But Bigfoot supposedly can turn invisible. Yeah, absolutely. Some, in some Isn't stories. that just a hop, skip, and a jump away from shape shifting? Yeah, almost. I yeah. mean, there's it's like changing matter. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's stories of like Bigfoot's materializing and dematerializing yeah. before witnesses and stuff. And there's also like you know telepathic or psychic powers attributed to Bigfoot. Yeah, not so much as in like uh, changing shapes or like you know what what we what we wouldn't classify as like a general shape shifter. Um, that always amounts to me as like bad in Native American medicine, you know, like or those old, you know, sorcerer witch like magic skinwalker stuff. Legends. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Stuff that can actually change their shape from like an animal form back to a uh, anthropomorphic form. But yeah, for Bigfoot has always pretty much remained. Uh, I never never heard too many stories about them like shape turning. You don't hear stories about Bigfoot turning into a wolf. Yeah, no, but, <clears throat> but I'm for, sure someone's seen it happen. Yeah, but for instance, on that uh on the Skinwalker Ranch, there's uh, you know, some of their hauntings for a better word, you know, they did see um a large bipedal creature, you know, come out of a Yeah, I think we were talking about that. Yeah. On, but so that so so show. perhaps that this old, you know, this bad bad medicine can turn itself into a, a bipedal type hairy right. creature. In other words, if you are a skinwalker, you could take the form of a bigfoot. Yeah. Right. There you to. go. That that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. But I also just think like a lot of like, everything kind of seems possible except for like mermaids and unicorns. Yeah. yeah. I think that was just like uh sailors who like 
fucked a manatee and were like, I swear she had big tits. <laughs> She's so beautiful, man. She just oh. like, oh, I swear you guys, you gotta go find yeah. her. Yeah. She feels so bad for those manatees. <laughs> those manatees were like, like laying back, like being like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> I ain't never felt so pretty. <laughs> I, I've never had a problem with the unicorn because we have the Norwal, which has that uh, that That's, same sort of okay, but that you know, is in the ocean and a you know like the the Norwal and the unicorn are so far apart. Like one yeah. is a sea creature. It's like saying like, well, I've never had a problem with a horse because we have an octopus. <laughs> like it's not or like saying that out. like a stingray is a pterodactyl. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, fair enough. Yeah, but they both have a unicorn. I mean, you know. So yeah, why I mean, not? No. I just think that unicorns are like people and like m- like. B- pre-medieval times were like oh god a, a, a war is coming and they have big big unicorns like no that was just like armor on a horse or something yeah it'd be nice okay. to, to research the legend of the unicorn bryce maybe that should be one of your topics of high school <laughs> yeah. i'll maybe. do that one the bryce, unicorn do it bryce. i'll do all my this daughter would be happy. Fun. yeah it'll <laughs> be great yeah bryce we gotta do a unicorn awesome. episode awesome all right well speaking of high strangers we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back i'm up sweet and here we go <laughs> In the world of rock climbers, only 1% of them free solo. You know what I mean? So it's like, talk about, there's like, it's already a small community of people that do that actual kind of climbing but then within that community there's one only one percent of them will attempt to do free soloing. I saw the preview for that movie in the theater and it made my nuts climb up into yeah. my ab- it, it was tense man just even watching it you feel like it feels it, really stressful it's insane it's insane do you wish for him to fall no my just to end it <laughs> just like i can't watch this anymore just fall just fucking fall oh no but i mean you, you it is tense yeah you're like yeah. god one one mistake and then just to see like what he'll put like on his foot on like for a ledge it's like a piece of I rock can't. that big holding his weight which is between you know between life and death you know no, that's not yeah. for me. While while you were watching Free Solo, I was watching uh, Lost Highway by David Lynch because... Oh, man. It's uh, a classic. We've been it talking is. a lot. Uh, for our Patreon listeners, you know this as well. About a month ago, a month and a half ago, we did a campfire story on Indrid Cold and Woody Derenberger. And uh, since we were talking about John Keel a couple weeks ago, and we've been talking about Hellier... And mm-hmm. high, all this real vivid high strangeness stuff and stuff that was happening in the 50s and 60s. Um, I've been getting more and more interested in Indrid Cold and John Keel. And yep. I was like, fuck it. Let's just get back into it already. Oh, yeah, man. Um, so today's high strangeness. Oh, and the, the point was that Indrid Cold is in Lost Highway. Um, there's a character named the Mystery Man, and it is spooky as fuck. And it totally holds up. And there are a lot of different theories about what Lost Highway is about because it's a David Lynch film. And so there's, you know, the narrative is kind of abstract and fractions off. Characters become different characters, much like in Mulholland Drive. But it seems to point towards ultra terrestrial activity, different dimensions. Mm. And there is this pale, grinning man that is in the character dressed in black. And he is. He appears. Other uh, he he does spooky phone calls, and there's like strange lights happening. Wow! And it, it's injured cold, and we'll talk about we can. That's a whole other conversation. I've never seen the movie dude, Lost Highway. You've oh, gotta watch one. it. it that is might be a movie night up. one, huh? 
It's a crazy movie. With oh, who? Yeah. He already saw it, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> with yourself. Would you see it again? Um, Please cuddle up with me. I would me. see it again. It is, it's bonkers. Uh, anyway, that's another conversation. But today, we are telling the story of The Grinning Man. So I got this uh, story from John Keel's book, The Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings and Strange Creatures, uh, which was formerly – oh, sorry, uh, The Complete Guide to Mi- Mysterious Beings and the book Strange Creatures from Time and Space, which are basically the same book with a few revisions. Um, so this is cool. So uh, this is all kind of John Keel's notes on The Grinning Man who is related, if not the same entity or entities as Indrid Cold. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, we'll, we'll get into all of this. So, on October 11th, 1966, in Pompton Lake, New Jersey, a police officer and his wife spot a bright white light flying overhead. And they say it's as big as a car. It flies over the uh, DuPont factory in town and then vanishes over the hillside uh, towards Wanaki or Wanaki. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. So this light that this police officer and his wife spot, and they're nameless in Keel's books. Now, this is an important side note. Keel, it, what's great about this book, uh, Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings, is that it's published in 1970. Uh, or I think 69 and then revised in 70. And it's a really fascinating document because you're reading these stories and they've happened recently. Now when we tell stories about the 60s, we're like, that's 50 years ago. It's so cool to read John Keel's accounts as if these these are happening in real time in this era of high strangeness. And these memories are just a few years old. Mm. So, and he's also interviewing a lot of people in these books that do not want to go on record. They will tell their story, but they are just like, I don't want to get involved. I don't want the press coming after me. And because the result that happened for most people and would happen for Woody Derenberger is it fucking ruins their lives. Yeah. Because the news wires love it because it's just pulp that they can put into their newspapers and put on TV. But, and, and people eat, gulp these stories up, but people lose their job like jobs and their livelihood and their credibility and sometimes their marriages and they're just like their world falls apart so most people don't want to go on record so this light that this police officer and his wife spot it goes over the hills and makes its way to Wanakee or Wanakee where Sergeant Benjamin Thompson and patrolman Edward Wester of the Wanakee Reserve Police uh, Department witness this light for themselves as it descends and hovers its way across the reservoir at a low altitude. Thompson said that the light was, quote, was brilliantly white. It lit up the whole area for 300 yards. In fact, it blinded me when I got out of the patrol car to look at it. I couldn't see for 20 minutes afterwards. Mm. So at that time, which was 9.45 p.m., uh, and just around that moment, just 40 miles south of Wanakee in Elizabeth, New Jersey, two teens. I always love a good teenager cryptid yeah. story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two teenagers, uh, James Yankitis and Martin Mouse Munov, were walking down the street near the Jersey Turnpike. 
and they stop at a corner that runs parallel to the turnpike, and behind them is a high fence that backs up against this steep incline that leads up to the highway, to the to the overpass. And they're standing there, and Jimmy nudges Mouse and goes, Hey, who's that guy standing behind you? And they turn around, and Mouse tells John Keel, I looked around, and there he was, just standing behind the fence. He pivoted around and looked right at us, and then he just grinned a big old grin. Now, this grinning man they described was broad-shouldered, easily well over six feet tall, standing on the other side of the fence, wearing a sparkling green suit that shimmered under the streetlights. And he was also wearing a wide-set black belt around his waist. He had a dark complexion and small, beady eyes that were wide-set. And the boys said they didn't notice any other facial, facial features. They, couldn't, they, did, they don't remember seeing his hands. And his feet were covered by the brush. And they both had a distinct impression that he was staring at the house across the street for some reason. And according to Keel, there had been reports of, like, violent acts and crimes in town recently. So they freaked out and just ran. They took off. They were scared of this guy. Um, and Keel had come out to Elizabeth with a UFO lecturer by the name of and, – and, um, and a columnist, columnist, or I think he ran – he published a paper or wrote, wrote in sort of UFO newsletters, this guy James Mosley. And actor Chuck McCann, who was a, a famous television actor at the time and was a comedian as well. So he's kind of like dudes like uh, like he's a dude kind of like us. It's like <laughs> he loved, you know, he's an actor and a well-known actor. He was like contemporary of Tim Conway. And, just like me. <laughs> yeah, just well-known actors like us. No, but I'm saying, you know, because at first I was like, what is an actor doing there? I was like, well, I'd want to go, you know, and check this out. That's who's out. got time. But, yeah, that's exactly. He's got time to get into this. <laughs> So, um, and they interviewed the, the kids, and they they separately, and they they were their stories were completely consistent. They saw the exact same thing, and it's one of those stories. You know, oftentimes we hear eyewitness be like, "Well, I saw he was wearing like a blue suit, and I saw he was a green suit." You know, this was exactly exactly the same, and there was a rumor going around town that that same night, a middle-aged woman had been chased by a tall, green man. Ugh. And Keel and Mosley and McCann investigated around and could not, couldn't find any, any uh, evidence of this. So they couldn't substantiate those rumors. Um, so they were trying to figure out who was this grinning man and what was he doing behind this fence that was super tall. They, were, they wondered how they got over the... He, got over this fence, why he was standing there. They theorized, well, maybe he was a truck driver who had a breakdown (laughs) and he climbed down. But if he needed help, why didn't he ask the boys to go make a phone call or talk to them? So it's just this curious thing. Why was he wearing Uh, a cummerbund? And I've never seen a truck driver in a sparkly green suit. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. He's the fun truck driver. (laughs) So (laughs) less than a month later, on November 2nd, 1966, in uh, in Parkersburg, West Virginia, this is now we're, we're a little we're like 470 miles away. 
Uh, Woody Derenberger, who was a traveling appliance salesman, he sold typewriters, sewing machines, and um, he was driving home from Marietta, Ohio, to Mineral Wells, West Virginia, and he's outside Parkersburg when he had just dropped a um, back of his truck a uh, typewriter or, or sewing machine had fallen off the bed of the truck, and as he's motioning cars to pass, he starts to slow down, and this craft comes up alongside of his car, has no lights, and Woody describes this thing as being the shape of a kerosene lamp chimney. So it's got a narrow head that flares out to sort of a bulbous center Mm -hmm. and then back down to a bit of a a narrow uh, shaft, the the part that would sit on the kerosene lamp. Yeah. So not a Chrysler. Not a Chrysler. No (laughs) lights, and it just stops in front of his car and Woody's trying to figure out what's going on, and a hatchway opens. Now, over on the Patreon, we do a much deeper dive into this story with fun special effects and sound effects. But basically what happens is this figure emerges from this craft, walks up to Woody's truck in the rain. And he's Woody describes him as of having a dark complexion, tall, 5'11", so not as tall as this green man. Uh, wide-shouldered, beady-eyed, and smiling, grinning at him. And this entity, Woody claims, spoke to him telepathically and said, My name is Cold. I come from a country that's much weaker than yours. What is your name? And Woody's frightened. He's like, Don't be frightened. Why are you frightened? I only want peace for you. I only want happiness for you. And Woody says he starts to communicate telepathically with this figure and nothing really comes of this conversation the um cold asks him about the lights below which is parkersburg that was off in the distance he's like oh that's our town that's a town and woody's like telling him about the suburbs he's like okay well i'm going to leave now but tell everyone you saw me and i'm going to come back and confirm that this actually happened so he uh Meanwhile, that craft, the whole time they were talking, had uh, ascended 50 feet above the truck. So when he's done communicating, Cold walks back. The craft comes back down. The hatchway opens, and Woody says he could see another being inside in the shadows. Cold gets back into the craft, and it flies off into the sky. So Keel uh, comes to Parkersburg and Mineral Wells to meet with Woody, Derenberger. And uh, he basically becomes the catalyst for how Darren Berger's story gets out into the public. And, and Darren Berger was a rare figure who went on record and went on news shows and talked about this. So it's funny because Keel says that when he went out there on the first night he was out in Mineral Wells to go visit his house, he was accompanied by, um, who was it? It was... Uh, Gray Barker, who was also a ufologist, and he had a, a newsletter. Controversial guy went on to later people believe that he was a bit of a hoaxer himself, as much as he was exposed. He would kind of create stories to publish stories. But um, 
it, that's a we need to do a whole other episode about guys like James Mosley, Gray Barker. Mm. But uh, Keel says when they, uh, he, oh yeah, uh, Barker wrote the book they knew too much about flying saucers, which was published in 1956 and got uh, Men in Black, the concept of Men in Black, into the public consciousness. Mm. So their first night mineral wells. Keel and Barker see little lights floating in the woods outside of Derenberger's home. And it's funny, they said they went out into the pasture in the woods to investigate. And he says, uh, Derenberger failed to mention two important things to us. One, that the fence was electrified, <gasps> so they got shocked. <laughs> and that there was a, a bull out there. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they didn't get too close enough to the lights to, to figure out what they were. But he says that other neighbors around Mineral Wells had seen craft flying over Derenberger's wow. home. Yeah. And weird stuff started to happen. Two days after the incident, um, Derenberger claimed that he was riding in the in his truck again with a friend when he started to receive telepathic messages from Cold. And saying that uh, his first name was Indrid, that he was from a land called Lanulos, which was on in the Ganymede galaxy. There's no such thing. Jupiter has a moon named Ganymede, spelled differently. Um, but and then he would later go on around the time this book was published. Keel's book was published. Uh, Darren Berger would go on to write his own book called Visitors from Lanulos, where he claims to have gone on many adventures with. Uh, injured cold and his friends across the, the universe and the and it's very crazy but at this time uh, Darren Berger swore swore that this actually happened and he started telling they they, they interviewed um, Darren Berger over a period of like months and Darren Berger told what he told um, Keel that Oh, Indrid Cold visits me. He sometimes arrives in an automobile, and he comes and has dinner at my house. Uh, and Keel's just like, "What is up with this? this is the strangest thing yeah. that I can I've ever ever heard of." And he's like, "And I think he doesn't really come right out and say in the book, but I think you know Keel's most interested in that first encounter, and then some of the crazier stories that happen later, he seems to back a little think, yeah. away from." Uh, it's easier to believe one encounter right, as opposed then, to, like, hundreds of them. Well, what happens is, too, within a year, Darren Berger and his wife Caroline divorce because they've become so popular that people are driving out to their house and camping out, and they're trying to be hospitable um, hosts and make every, pour everyone coffee and make, give everyone hot meals, and people are just camping out trying to see UFOs. And they also had guys show up with, like, guns and hang out in their trees because they were, like, wanting to shoot aliens. Oh. And they eventually moved. She divorced him. And then his business fell apart. His salesman business fell apart because he became so popular and popularly known as the UFO flying saucer guy that um, on business calls, people call him out saying they wanted to buy a typewriter. Aww. And they just wanted to meet the guy who met, who met a Martian. And he developed a really bad drinking problem. He eventually sobered up. But it, it really ruined his, yeah. his life for a while. He eventually remarried and published his own book, like I said. but um, Of course he did. Guys right. always bounce back. Yeah. So, <laughs> while yeah, this, I'll marry the alien guy, whatever. <laughs> while all this injured cold nonsense is going on, it, 60 miles south 
uh, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, near a rural area around an old TNT and ammunition stump, people start seeing strange lights in the sky and had had started seeing them since that previous summer of 1966. Um, so we're now in March of 1967, and the, this family called the Lilly family, who lived off Camp Conley Road, James Lilly, the father, is a riverboat captain, and he's a very serious dude. He does not believe in this stuff. But they started seeing these lights. He's about to. And he's trying to figure out what they are and cannot explain them. And he said that um, they became so routine. I've got a quote from the book here. Uh, James Lilly says... It didn't take us long to learn that when our TV started acting up, it was a sure sign that one of those lights was passing over. I didn't think much of all the flying saucer talk until I started seeing them myself. You've got to believe your own eyes. And cars that were in the vicinity of the Lily House would suddenly stop working. They would break down. So all this technology is starting to break down. Classic, like, UFO, you know, encounter details like that. And their daughter-in-law who lived on the south end of Point Pleasant, started getting these weird phone calls where she would, she was like, it's almost as if they knew when I was home. Mm -hmm. I would get home from work, the phone would ring, I'd pick up the phone, and a weird metallic voice on the other end would start saying things to me in a language that I did not understand. Yeah, it's messed up. And Keel... Comes in, starts interviewing the family. I mean, what? A, first of all, what a cool fucking job John Keel's got. Just yeah. During this high strangeness peak time, this flap is going around West Virginia, and we haven't even talked about this. Is all precursor to the Mothman, which mm-hmm. we've already covered. But he goes. He said he carefully asks the family, um, "Have any of you had any strange dreams during this time?" Uh, anybody maybe showing up in your dreams and I guess Mrs. Lily turns to their daughter who's a teenager um, Linda I believe and said go on tell them about the nightmare you had in March and Linda said that she had a dream where she woke up in the middle of the night and there was a tall grinning man standing over her bed wearing checkered clothing reaching out to get her. Where is he getting his suits from? <laughs> well, and this is crazy, too. And this, this, this is nuts, because the checkered... I dress the best. The checkered clothing thing actually pops up again and had previously done so. It will later in the 70s and had previously done so. Um, black and white checkered? Yeah, what I think it's black other? and white checkered and then mm. maybe multiple, sometimes multiple colors. So John Keel said, so Linda said that she woke up screaming, ran and got her parents, swearing that there had been a man in her room, a grinning man. And this rings a bell for Keel because in 1963, there was a family in Pensacola, the Glean or Glein family. They started to encounter a large man dressed in checkered clothing who would appear and disappear in their house. Hmm. Grinning man. And they would say the uh, the mother once saw him standing in the room and she said they made eye contact and then he walked backwards and just vanished. 
and the littlest kid in the, the like everyone in the family had seen him and George Jr., uh, who was two years old at the time, little Georgie. Smoked cigarettes, owned a business. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he started talking of his friend named Pookie, P-U-K-I, who fit the description of this checkered man that he would talk to all the time in his house. And their house burnt down in a mysterious fire. And little Georgie was quoted. That baby smoking cigarettes He's in going his to crib. <laughs> And little Georgie was like, Pookie doesn't like that the house burnt down, but he'll be back when everything's fixed. <laughs> and Keel says that a lot of times there are these weird, inexplicable fires that happen mm. around the time of UFO encounters and strange... Oh, the, the thing that I failed to mention, too, is the Lily family also started experiencing weird poltergeist activity. Yeah. Strange knocks in the walls... The Glean family in Pensacola, too, they would hear things moving around in the walls as if there was someone Ugh. in the walls. No. Um, cupboards opening, this kind of stuff in both families. Ugh. So you have this weird thing where you have a UFO flap, you have a strange, almost interdimensional creature showing up, and then po- followed by poltergeist activity, and then houses burning down. In the case of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the Mothman started to appear. The Silver Bridge collapses. It's this really weird, weird thing. And no one can make, you know, Keel couldn't make sense of it. All he could do was say that there is a routine of strange figures, grinning men showing up in accounts of high strangeness like this. He even went on to do some research to discover that Sometimes they would appear in hoods and cloaks and found stories of ghost monks and all the and people seeing weird hooded monk figures mm. that were also kind of the and other stories of people dressed in checkered clothing. And it rang a bell for me the Sanfreda abductions in Italy in the seventies after all of this. That that was the the security guard in the oh, villa yeah. who met these giant reptile reptilian style aliens that supposedly took him, abducted him multiple times. In one of his stories, right before his abduction, he stopped at a gas station where he saw a featureless man he would refer to as the Eggman, who was dressed in a checkered suit, Mm -hmm. who told him, you're about to get abducted, and then he drove, uh, Zanfreda drove off, and then moments later was abducted again. Yeah, it's like a precursor. So Kiel wanted, he was just, who are these grinning men? What do they want? Who are these people? I don't know. It's almost like a uh, technological interdimensional scout or something that goes ahead of these these occurrences of high it's strangeness. It's so weird that they think come... like punk teen kids. Mm. Like they're the punk aliens. Yeah. Yeah. But this is it. I mean, that's the story of the Grinning Man yeah, and Indra Cold. It's just, and, and, and again, we, we covered a little bit more specifically Woody and Indra's relationship in the Patreon, but that's the nutshell of it, mm-hmm. you know? And he's come up a lot this month as we've talked he really about has, Hellier yeah. and all this stuff. No. But uh, I just encourage everybody to pick up um, uh, Kiel's books. They're so fun to read. Yeah. I'm like about to go down like an even, even deeper rabbit hole with his stuff, but... He's there a one of a kind, it. that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Weird shit, right? It's very strange. Have either of you seen the documentary Love and Saucers? Yeah. 
David, I haven't. David Huggins. Yes. We talked about it on the show. Yeah, we did, a, we did an episode of Our High Strangeness about him. Okay, I was going to say that mm-hmm. I wonder if the reason why that guy and his wife got divorced is because your husband's <laughs> fucking a bunch of aliens. <laughs> yeah, there was clearly um, weird stuff going on in the family. Woody's grown daughter... Um, she's been interviewed in documentaries about the Mothman and Injured Cold, and she said that uh, she remembers a man coming around the house, yeah, a tan man that uh, her dad told her was Injured Cold. She didn't know if he was an, a man from an, another dimension or outer space, yeah. But uh, also, Woody would disappear for like sometimes weeks or months at at a time. So I think there was something going on. And she even says in the documentary, she's like, I don't want to talk about that stuff. So something else was going on, whether it's it was... like, we already <laughs> set up the lights in the mic. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, it's like, funny because she, she would talk about his stories and talk about his book and his claims of Inner Cole. But when it got down to the root of like, what was going on with your dad mental health wise and everything? She's like, eh, yeah, I don't like talking about that stuff. So yeah. it, I I tend to think that at least in Darren Berger's situation, there might be there might be some mental health stuff going on. Yeah, but where stuff do as well? Where, but but may, or maybe both. Where do we know? differentiate mental health with classic contact well, cases? Know. It reminds me of the stuff like you know Dick Shaver, who you know who started Dick hearing, Shaver, who started hearing voices <laughs> in his uh, in his blowtorch, you know, but then went on to a whole <coughs> sort of epic scale of contacteeism. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's like. This Woodrow Derenberger, once his first contact seems to sort of be an initiation of some sorts yeah. that springs forwards this sort of epic tale for him of high strangeness. Now, whether mm. whether he physically or pragmatically, you know, started visiting a place near Jupiter called Lanulos and going on these epic adventures, who's to only say, you know well, what I mean? Well, I, I, yeah, I tend to think here's what happened. I think that, um, and lest, lest you doubt that he was the only witness to the initial uh, injured cold encounter, Keel turned up two other witnesses that called the police at night that had almost identical, um, but would not go on, wouldn't go on record. Um, because they're like, we don't want to get involved. But Keel's like, I met with them. They had something. Now, I don't know if that means, uh, before I had heard that they had seen a craft, but it sounds like in this book that they actually spoke to the same entity and they were like, I will tell you our story to corroborate, but we're not, you know, we're mm-hmm. not going to go on a record. I think what could have happened <clears throat> is that Derenberger was, experience, did experience something profound. Uh, and then after his financials fell apart, his life fell apart, he was known as the flying saucer, saucer guy. And I think he took that initial encounter and then ran with it and wrote a book and kind of turned it into, to make money, yeah. turned it into the further adventures of of me and Indrid Cold. And that's when he's like telling the stories about going off on the spaceship mm. and stuff. I That to me makes sense because at that point when his business is ruined, his reputation's in doubt, it's and also like this is the, the, the period of like sci-fi pulp being really popular. I think he cashed in on it. I uh, do. Mm. I think he cashed in and he wrote 
that that that's I'm also, speculating completely. Just imagine but. the trauma that someone would have from being uh from meeting having this encounter, right? Or from being abducted like that. If you were just by humans, had something like that happen, it would rock your reality. Much less if it's from what you call ultra terrestrial, yeah, ultra terrestrial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, yeah, John Keel. But like, thing it that- could really mess up your. Psyche. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. And then, like, maybe you do get crazier or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe these people are sought out specifically because they are yeah. n- not fully grounded. It's right. tough. I mean, it's a real... Be- yeah, this is where it gets really, really strange because so much of these things do replicate, it. you know, like personality breakdowns, ner- nervous breakdowns, symptoms of that, that, that I think it's why a lot of people go, you're crazy, I, you know, but I, I have to say, I do think the fact that John Keel fo- focuses mostly on that first encounter and that there were two other witnesses that same night and that they did see strange lights out on his property, I think he's he tends to be like, yeah, the story gets a little more complicated. He doesn't focus on what came later he tends to just focus on that first encounter so i think there's something to that it's almost like a carnival you know what i mean there's so many strange side attractions and you know i sort of disagree with you in a sense i think to try and make sense um of 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 what happened to him and, and then his life is to uh I don't know. I just I sometimes I don't I don't think it's uh it's as easy as one, two, three. You know, I think I think <laughs> this thing is so hard to explain what type of phenomena occurs. You know, John Keel would often call whatever these things were, uh cosmic tricksters or yeah. uh, you know, that there was some sort of you know, there was a joke element to it, you know, maybe driving people insane or crazy or to feel that they had these sort of adventures, you know. Um, whether they happened on some other plane or other some other dimension, God only knows. Or some kind know? of dream reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I know. Yeah. It's strange. It, it really is strange. Also, like, this is a bummer analogy, but I always think of it as, like, um, with, like, the Me Too movement of, like, an imperfect victim. Mm-hmm. An imperfect victim is a is a better victim because they're already, like, someone that you're like, that person already acts erratically, and maybe no one will believe them, and that's the way I can have my, like, first... Like, it'll be easier to take advantage of this right. person. It'll be easier yeah. to for this person not to be believed. Well, yeah, think of this thing as, like... Think of this phenomena as, like, a like a virus, like a flu or something, <laughs> and then perhaps Woodrow Derenberger, is, his immune system's down or, or his antenna's up, yeah. and he's more susceptible to these types of occurrences and, and, and things of this nature. Yeah, Keel you know? says in the book he was like he wasn't a learned man hmm. uh he's he sounds like he was pretty simple dude and pretty normal before all this happened he said he was not into ufos he was not into ufoology he was just kind of this like traveling salesman just kind of making you know living you know trying to put to get put food on the table sure. kind of guy yeah. you know not, not college educated dude but like all in all an easy mark though that's what Somewhat, i'm saying so yeah. i'm saying like and may have been dealing. It certainly de- did deal with some heavy addiction at some point. Alcoholism seemed to sober up, um, 
and not not that that's you know you know one to one in terms of like I'm just trying you know there there there's something else was going on in the in the house for yeah. sure too because otherwise I don't know why his grown daughter is like I don't want to talk about this stuff that was going on at home yeah so there was some emotional it sounds like there was some type of emotional turmoil yeah going on in the family as well which could also arguably result in being more susceptible to something from another dimension who the fuck knows i don't know that's the whole point of this shit it's why it's called high strangeness it's super weird and i understand that a lot of people this is why people just shrug it off and be like "Eh, that's all bullshit yeah you know i get it i get it but this is fascinating when you see that these archetypes at least these archetypes of this grinning man show up and we're showing up all kind of around the same time. Yeah. Uh, there's something there. Have you heard of the uh, Loveland Frogman? Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We did the Loveland lo- Frogman. Yeah, I don't know why. It just makes me, it reminds me of that guy, that Frogman, <laughs> and the people who saw him or it. Right. You know, like one was a cop. So like he went on record and like, so people were, I guess, more comfortable talking about it but for sure well he's sparkly green they're yeah. both green right yeah. it's always nice With when sexy you have wide a... eyes yeah <laughs> <laughs> when you have a trained observer as one of the witnesses like a uh, yeah like a patrolman or a yeah a man of the law who's you know very well respected in the community yeah, that's right um <laughs> when you laughed at that i don't know people used to love cops <laughs> i know it's it's true we still um, do. still i still do, do. i have a bunch of cops in my family so yeah, yeah. No, I was just when you said it, I was thinking about the Loveland Frogman being a well-respected member of the community. <laughs> For some reason, that made me laugh. Picture him in like getting the key to the city. He's like, "Oh, please, I don't need this. This yeah. is too much." Um, so, uh, Marcy, thank you so much for being on the show. This was yes, a blast. Thank you. Um, where can people find a Funny Feeling podcast or your other podcasts, oh, yeah. which are okay? Uh, let's see. We got Cardition it all things Kardashian. Oh, that's uh, on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts, and then. 90 Day Bay is my 90 Day Fiance uh, recap with Nicole Byer, and that's only on Patreon. Wow. I've not. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. We're only doing it for cash. Yeah, <laughs> um, I still haven't watched that show, but everyone oh. says it's so much fun. If you like crazy people, yeah. you're going to love 90 <laughs> you're gonna Day. You're going to love it. You're going to love 90 love Day Fiance. Um, and then Marcy Lane um, on either Marcy Lane on Twitter or Marcy Lane 2 on Instagram and then watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, guys. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. Hey. Do it. Uh, boys, anything to plug? Yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a review. Tell us what you think. It really helps us get our podcast out to uh, the listeners. Okay, good. And check out the Patreon because there's lots of fun stuff over there with sound effects and scores and good times. Speaking stories. of sound effects, you that, that was a great great job on that story, man. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Those those. Man, that's added. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I'm trying to put you in the zone. Oh yeah, man. and we got our merch up at T Publix too. Oh yeah, so, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Go to the T Publix. Uh, get yourself a Bigfoot shirt. Bigfoot Collectors Club. Yeah. And get a shirt and maybe I'll, a mug. We'll be uh, yeah, some mugs, some pillows, something. And uh, we are working on our second design as we speak. So we'll keep putting some fun stuff up there. Don't you worry about it. In the meantime, we love you here, Bigfoot Collectors Club, and we'll be back next week with an all new episode. Thanks again, Marcy. Thank you. We Marcy. love your Thank podcast you too. Go we check do. out my appearance, uh, which will be posting around the same time yeah and uh we'll see you guys next week bye-bye bye
Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.